Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Moscow, Mark Hunt versus Alexi Olenek. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday afternoon. Someone's going to get knocked out or someone's going to get tapped out because we got the Super Samoan versus the Boa Constrictor Olenek. Yeah, you know, everyone loves a Mark Hunt KO. We, lo- we love when he uh, walks off and knows that his opponent's stiff unconscious before everyone else does and alexi we love when he gets a ezekiel chokes and the boa constrictor chokes and the scar fold so it's going to be an entertaining fight man it's such an interesting matchup because you got two specialists in there mark hunt obviously like you mentioned the walk-off ko's boa constrictor olenek's out here ezekiel choking guys but make no mistake about it i've seen a. Uh, I've seen Olenek go out there and knock out people, too. You saw him knock out Jared Rochelle in the first round. Big upset yeah. at the time. Yeah, that was a big win at the time. Rochelle was a top prospect at heavyweight, and uh, it's unfortunate to see him, you know, losing the bums on the PFL circuit these days. But uh, I'm pretty sure he's in the playoffs. I'm sure he'll get knocked out again. But, you know, uh, Mark Hunt's a, a different level, uh, so they say. So we'll find out. Yeah, now as far as last week goes, man, props to T. Wood. You know, everyone was calling him boring, and uh, not only did he beat Darren Till, Shaq, uh, he annihilated Darren Till. He finished Darren Till. Yeah, complete domination. I mean, that was uh, what he needed. I mean, his prior fights to that have been, you know, you know, snoozers to say the least. And uh, it was good that he did that for him, you know, and for himself and for his legacy. Now he's top two greatest welterweights of all time, and he still has a chance to be the number one. He's good. He's going to have that opportunity to, uh, you know, what uh, some MMA fans say, you know, do uh do this for the sport of MMA by beating by beating uh, my boy Colby Covington. So he's gonna have that opportunity. Everyone's gonna love him if he uh well they kind of do love him now, but everyone will really love him if he uh does that. So T Wood did great. He looked phenomenal. That was what we've been waiting for. You know what I'm saying? So props to T Wood. You know he kind of rewrote the narrative because the fight with Robbie Lawler, incredible knockout. The fight with Wonder Boy, the first one, people considered it to be one of the fights of the year. But then the second Wonder Boy fight and the Maya fight gave him this reputation for being this boring fighter and I feel like he really needed this performance against Till to kind of break that break that narrative man to change the story change the script and let people know T-Wood can put on exciting fights too and he can be a good champion yeah I mean that was a dominant performance it's unfortunate Till wasn't ready for that you know the spotlight kind of got to him but uh T-Wood did his thing man and he's uh adding to that legacy as we speak yeah now man last two months I kind of feel like Darren Till you know he only landed one strike in that fight, I feel like Darren Till because I feel like I've only won like a couple bets in the last two months. It fucking sucks, but this is part of the game. When you're a long-term winner, you got you got to take your bumps sometimes. And I will never make a, a bullshit excuse about it. All I can do is move forward and uh, close out the end of the year in style, man. Yeah, just got to keep moving forward. That's all. It's that's that's all it comes down to, man. Uh, get back up and try again. And speaking of which, first fight of the night, we got Marab Divalishvili. He's minus 550. The comeback on Terion Ware is plus 425. Now, a lot of people think Marab's Russian. He's not Russian. He's Georgian. That being said, Georgia is right next to Russia. If this fight was in Vegas, would you maybe consider a shot on uh, the plus 425 underdog Terion Ware here? Yeah, Marab. What can I say about Marab? He's a ball of energy. The guy just has a nonstop motor and he won't quit. But uh, skill-wise, he's got good wrestling, good takedowns. He took down Ricky a bunch of times. And, I mean, his striking is uh, ugly to say the least. He cuts very easily. He tires out very easily. But that motor inside just keeps running nonstop. 
And Terry Onwe, I mean, he's a good boxer. He fights everyone tough, but the common outcome is, you know, for both of them, they've lost, you know. People can say whatever they want about Marab's second fight with Ricky. I saw a guy that was unconscious on that mat. I don't know about uh, everyone else, but I saw a guy that was unconscious. I, I thought he lost the second round, to be honest, as well, but the guy's motor, you know, just never stops. He has the will. I think Terry On has the will as well, but, you know, Terry On's uh, fighting in a country where he needs to make this thing one-sided. He needs to get a knockout. It can't be a back-and-forth, you know, back-and-forth fight because I, I truly feel like they're going to give the decision to Mirab this time. But uh, I do think Tarion's the better striker by far. I think uh, if Mirab slows down, Tarion can capitalize with his, you know, volume boxing style. But like I said, this thing has to be one-sided, so therefore I have to go with Mirab Divishvili. I think he's going to win a close back-and-forth fight. I think both men are going to, you know, uh, wobble, or I think he will get a couple takedowns. But I think Tarion can get up, and I feel sad for Tarion because he could have got his first win in his last fight against the fraud kid Dukanwa. But, you know, things then go his way. Uh, things tend to not go Tarion's way. The first two, I wouldn't say he got robbed or anything. He clearly lost those fights. But it's unfortunate that uh, that fight when Dukanwa didn't go his way, and both of these guys' backs are against the wall, so... Let's see if they make it happen, but I got to go with uh, Marab. It's tough for me to call just because I feel like Tarion's actually better than Marab, but this whole being in Russia thing, you know, Marab's going to be considered the adopted Russian in, on this card, man. Even though he's from Georgia, they have a huge Georgian community over there, and if this fight hits the scorecards, they're going to give it to Marab. That's the thing. So Tarion's got to come out here and finish Marab. And it's doable. I mean, Marab, uh, he was getting rocked by Frankie Sines with the knees, and then obviously... Let's not act like he made it the full distance with Ricky Simone because he knocked himself out with that takedown attempt. Then he woke back up in a mounted guillotine, and then he went out cold from that. So he got finished twice his last fight versus Ricky Simone. But, man, uh, Tarion's not really known for finishing people. That's the issue. He's got to fucking really go out there and make a statement. I don't know if he's capable of doing that. The thing is, I feel like he's better than Marab, but it might not matter. So I'm going to go with Marab via controversial split decision. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Ramazan Amiv. He's minus 560. The comeback on Stefan Sekulic is plus 430. Now, initially, Ramazan was supposed to fight Claudio Silva. You know, Claudio Silva is a guy. He's got wins over Leon Edwards, Nordin Taleb, Brad Scotch. But now he's taking on the newcomer, Stefan Sekulic. Uh, what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, you know, Ramazan, in my opinion, he's a top 20 guy already. I feel like he could fight some top 15 guys. You know, Stefan, he's a good wrestler. You know, his only losses to Zawada and his other losses by injury, you know, kind of like the Chandler incident. But uh, Ramazan should take this. You know, it's a matter of uh, how long you let Stefan survive. I do think he has the skills to survive. But, you know, Ramazan's a Russian coaster. He just likes to dominate rounds. He's a great wrestler. I like to call him a master of the tie-up because you can't beat him in the clinch. And, you know, uh, Stefan, he'll lose his fight, but he'll come back better. You know, this will be his first UFC. First UFC. It sucks that Ramazan has to welcome, welcome him to the UFC. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ramazani made his UFC debut against a 205er and Sam Alvey. This kid fights at 170. He made his UFC debut against a 205er and Alvey beat him via unanimous decision on all three cards, obviously. And then his next fight against uh, the very tough Alberto Mina, a guy who was undefeated in the UFC. Ramazan went out there and not just handed him his first L, handed him his first L in Brazil, in his home country. So Ramazan's known for handing out first UFC Ls, and I think that trend continues here as uh, the minus 560 price tag indicates. Uh, Stefan Sekulic, very tough guy. I actually think he will have a, a bright future, but I think he's got to take a setback here, most likely via a dominant decision. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got Jordan Johnson. He's a minus 250. The comeback on Adam Yandiev 
is plus 210. Now, uh, you going with the D1 wrestler Johnson, or are you going with the Russian royalty Andiev? Yeah, this fight's a little, you know, raises some eyebrows, because, you know, Johnson, I think he's a little bit overrated. He's dropping to 85 when I thought he was slow for 205, to be honest. You know, he likes to eke out rounds. I like to refer to him as, you know, the, the young Gray Maynard of the 205 division, like how Gray back in the day used to sweep out split decisions and unanimous decisions, and, you know, like when he fought uh, Roger Huerta or... Um, Nate Diaz, for example, but Jordan Johnson, I mean, he's, uh, it seems like he has a pattern of falling behind, and then when he falls behind, he likes to realize, okay, let me just tie this guy up and squeak out this decision, and, you know, his opponent, Andy, have, uh, from what I hear, this guy's a, a Russian mobster, man, I mean, I'm, you're seeing him in suits uh, with the politicians, he's sitting down with the Dimitris and the Vladimirs. He lives in a fucking palace. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He uh, drives a Lamborghini. So, and he's from Moscow, so. You know, if Jordan Johnson's habits uh, continue like how they normally do, where he likes to eke out decisions, I don't know if that's going to work here against Yandia. Now, Yandia, we really haven't seen much of him. I mean, he's a big, stiff wrestler that just likes to, uh, you know, take guys down. I've seen him, you know, pull off some scarf holds. And I mean, to be honest, it's real ugly. But he hasn't fought in three years. We don't know what he's been doing those three years. We, ha- we do know. We, we know he's what been, he's been doing. Uh, allegedly, he's been, he's been match-fixing. He's been... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he's been dumping gasoline on people, but like he's <laughs> He's got guy, a million followers on, like, on Instagram. The guy's connected, just put it that way. <laughs> so, you know, uh Johnson better not fight close in this fight because uh he might get let down. But I mean Andy F Johnson's the better fighter, but Johnson likes to play around a lot. But uh if this Andy F guy has made improvements in this three year layoff, then uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he pulled off a split. Um but I have to go with Jordan Johnson. Uh, just because, I mean, I've seen more from him. I, I know that uh, he's a D1 wrestler. He likes to tie guys up. I feel like his hands are a little slow. He likes to strike at his own pace, but he gets his job done. But it's going to be real sketchy, in my opinion, man. Uh, this is a fight I don't want any part of. Just just considering Andy's background, just on that alone, I mean, the guy's connected, and uh, you fight close against a guy from Moscow with the type of connections he has, then, you know, you might get let down. The issue with Jordan Johnson, he's a habitual underperformer. Like, the guy could be so damn good. He's a D1 wrestler. But I feel like he's one of these D1 wrestlers that probably doesn't even train his wrestling anymore. He just relies on the fact that he has that background. I mean, you saw that fight with Adam Milstead, man. He sh- I mean, he won it, but he should have made a bigger statement in that fight. And here with the Andiev, you know, we haven't seen the Andiev in three years, but we know what he brings to the table. Big, strong guy. Loves to rip dudes' heads off. We know he'll probably gas out a little bit if this fight gets extended. But that being said, if it's a close back-and-forth fight and this hits the scorecards, Yandiev's going to get it done. So Johnson's got to turn a corner that he hasn't done before, or at least not since the Luis Henrique fight. And he's got to be completely dominant to win this fight. I'm going to go with uh, Adam Yandiev via controversial split. Now next up in uh, the light heavyweight division, we got the return of Magomed Ankalaev. He's minus 440. The comeback on Marcin Prachnio is plus 350 now. You think uh, Magomed is going to actually win this fight this time, or you think he's going to get knocked out with three seconds left? Yeah, it's an interesting fight. Uh, Prachnio, that uh, knockout loss in his debut to Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey, who wins the majority of his fights, I think he's like 11-4 and four in the UFC. And, you know, Alvey knocks a lot of guys out. He knocked out Cesar. He knocked out uh, Dan Kelly. He knocked out... Dylan Andrews. Dylan Andrews. He gets a lot of knockouts. And, uh, you know, I don't want to judge Prachnio solely off that loss because I, I do feel like he's going to come better. He's going to make adjustments. And, you know, we only got to see less than a round, less than a round from him against a, uh, you know, a very, against a formidable UFC middleweight. And, you know, Ankalaev, I felt like I did see the best of Ankalaev. He was in there against the worst he- light heavyweight on the roster. 
and he found every way possible not to finish him. He left him hanging around, and I felt like I kind of questioned Ankalaev's heart, man. I felt like, uh, you know, the fight was in the bag, and, you know, he uh, just seemed like he didn't really want to engage. You know, I know he's one of the more of the Russian coaster type. You know, he likes to edge out rounds and look pretty and whatnot. But uh, I feel like, you know, they could be in for a surprise this fight. I feel like Prashen is going to come a little better. But I know I saw the best from Ankalaev. I do feel like he's the better the better fighter here all across the board. But I, I question his heart. And, you know, although, you know, the triangle might not be a weapon here. That's why he lost his last fight. What happens when he gets touched on his chin? Because I feel like this guy, Prashen, you know, I mean, I know he charged that Alvi with his hands down, but he had the balls to do that. I feel like Ankalaev doesn't have any balls. So I'm going to go for the upset. I'm going to take my boy uh, Martin Prashneel by knockout. <laughs> man, I feel like Ankalaev, the way he lost his last fight, man, you're about to get this 30-26. There's two seconds left, and you tap out to that triangle chuck. I, I'm surprised he's even making his second appearance here. I'm, I'm surprised they found him, but they did find him. And as far as this matchup is concerned with Marcin Prachnio, the issue with Prachnio is he's stiff, he's slow, he charges forward in a center line, he doesn't move his head, he doesn't cut angles. So I feel like that's going to give the opening and the targets for, for Ankalaev to not only get these takedowns, but to outstrike him as well. Ankalaev, good jab, good left high kick. I feel like the openings will be there. I feel like he can't let everyone down again this time. I feel like he has to go out there and make a statement, and I think he will, man. I think this time he's going to get a win, and uh, we can make talks about fading him down the line. Now, next up in the lightweight division, this one's going to be really good. We got Merbek Taisumov. He's minus 470. The comeback on Desmond Green is plus 375. Now, Shaq, uh, 96% of Merbek Taisumov's wins have ended inside the distance. Desmond Green's a very tough guy to finish. How do you see this fight going now? Yeah, like you said, Des Green really isn't known for uh, getting knocked out. He's known for losing decisions, and all of his losses are by decision. Besides, maybe one when he two. got two beside when he uh, got submitted by my boy Vaishal back in Bellator. But you know, uh, Des Green he falls up short a lot. I don't think he's a jobber by any means. I think he's a good athlete. I think he uh, he's a point fighter. You know, he just likes to eke out rounds, and you know, uh, it's gotten him into trouble in the past, especially in the countries that he's been fighting in, in Brazil and you know Europe against Rustam, and, you know, you could say he arguably won that fight, but you know what you're against. You know, you're fighting a Russian in Europe, and you can't fight close. It has to be one-sided. Um, as far as his skill goes, you know, I think he's a basic striker. I think he really doesn't throw kicks. I feel like he just jabs and, you know, tries to uh, parry the lead hand and come with a straight left. Uh, you know, it's the same read every time. And Tysonov, I feel like he, like I said, Des is a good athlete. I think Tysonov's a great athlete. I think, uh, Tysonov's movement, in and out movement, and, you know, he's put down guys that uh, have been dominating in all their other fights, like Alan Patrick, uh, you know, my boy Demir, um, is that his only loss? Oh, yeah, he lost Alan Patrick, so, you know, uh, I think Tysonov's got this in the bag, you know, I think uh, whether it goes to decision or, you know, Des Green likes to tilt his chin up in the air on those returns, so I wouldn't be shocked if Maribach found a home for them, but Des has, you know, not uh, have a history of getting knocked out, he's a tough guy, he's a good athlete, and, you know, he can take a beating. That ass whooping he took down there in Brazil. I mean, a lot of guys would have, uh, you know, got finished there. But I got Maribek Tyson off all day in this one. And hopefully he can get his visa issues right. You know, he said he's not a criminal. Hopefully he gets his visa issues right and he can get a top 15 opponent. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the guy's one of the most exciting guys in the lightweight division. Uh, I feel like he hasn't gotten the credit he deserves. But, man, he's been getting better every single fight. And he knocks out guys that have never been knocked out before. I mean, Alan Patrick, Demir Hadzovic. I'm sure Felipe Silva has been knocked out in Muay Thai competition. But I believe in MMA, that was his first uh, KO loss. So 
he definitely had uh Tysonov definitely has that power as far as Green's concerned very athletic guy very talented very experienced D1 wrestler my issue with him standing in this fight is that I feel like his hand combinations are a little bit slower than Tysonov's and I feel like he keeps his chin straight up in the air and he has a willingness to stand and bang as well I know he can point guys on the outside, and the reason he goes to decision a lot is because he doesn't have the greatest power. But I feel like the way the styles match up, he will try to stand and bang with Tysumov. I mean, Des Green is willing to stand and bang with anyone. He's competitive with almost everyone he fights. But I feel like uh, Merbeck has slightly, well, not slightly, he's got a ton more horsepower. And Des Green's chin being in the air is not going to be a good thing here. So I'm going to go with Tysumov via knockout. Next up, we got Rustam Habilov. He's minus 750. The comeback on Kajan Johnson is plus 525. Now, man, Kajan Johnson's gotten one big upset before in his UFC career. You think he can uh, get another one here against Rustam? Yeah, he beat the guy that beat Rustam, so that's uh, some MMA math for you. Kajan, you know, I don't think he's a jobber. I think he's an elusive guy, but we know the deal here. They're trying to get him out. You know, he talked bad about the company. He talked bad about a company that you work for. Don't be shocked if they uh, let you go, and they're setting him up here clearly. You know, Rustam's got this most likely by, you know, 30-27, Um, It, it is going to be a little tricky early just because we know Caden's going to dance and run and hold and, you know, run for his life. So, you know, that style is always hard to fight no matter what. But uh, I just see Rustam doing his typical Russian coast, you know, chill, chill, chill at the end of the round, you know, slam him on his head, you know, land some ground and pound or get off with a, a flurry of punches and do the typical Rustam. That's why this guy's on a five-fight win streak. You know, it's unfortunate he really doesn't really care about this too much. But uh, the guy's 22-3. and three. He's got one of those boxing records, and he gets his job done a lot. So I got Rustam all day on this one. Yeah, it's interesting because Cajun, he loves to circle around the ring. He likes to back himself into the fence, and Rustam loves backing people into the fence. He's got great pressure, and like you said, he's a, he's a Russian coaster. You know, he won't do anything for the first two minutes, and when it's time to turn up, uh, he will turn up. He will pick up Cajun Johnson over his head, walk him to the center of that octagon, slam him down, and seal off the round. And if things are kind of close, kind of sketchy, he'll land a nice little 10-punch combo, and seal the round, and, and then do nothing. Cajun could drop him twice in each round. He could... You know, do it. He could dominate the fight. Trust me, the cards is going to say 30 27 or something. There's at least one 30 27 reserved for Rustam in this fight. They so. already have the cards written down. Even if Cajun knocks him out, the ref's not going to stop it. So, you know, the follow-up punch is going to wake him up, and then he's going to come back and win. So. They're going to tell him in the ear, but hold on. Hold on. <laughs> don't, don't stop it yet. I think it's going to be very tough for Rustam to lose this fight. He has to go out cold. I don't see that happening. I see Rustam winning. Next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Peter Yan. He's minus 900. The comeback on Jin Su San is plus 600. Uh, another wide line, my man. Uh, you think the underdog's got a chance here? Yeah, it's unfortunate the uh, Brazilian weasel, uh, Douglas De Silva, didn't show up for work. But uh, this guy, Jin Su San, he's in big trouble. You know, uh, Peter Yan's going to put pressure on him, switch his stance, and, you know, eventually find a home for one of those haymakers up top. And it's unfortunate Jin Su San uh, has to take a canvas nap here, but. People have to pay that price again to the UFC. You know, I think he's the third. Was he the original replacement? Yeah. So, you know, um, Peter Yan's just a better fighter all across the board. Jun Susan, I see my boy Korean Zombies down there with him in Moscow. So, you know, uh, he's got some good people around him. But, unfortunately, he's going to get knocked out. Yeah, I mean, Jun Susan, I was watching some of his fights. And, man, that was some... Uh... Like, let's just put it this way. My guys in the NFC would beat his ass. Like, that was some real regional-level shit. Uh, Peter Yan's probably going to walk through this guy. He's going to walk him down. 
land every shot in the book, and eventually it's going to be a, a knockout. So I'm going to go with Peter Yan, and you know, Korean Zombie will be a good mentor for James Husson after this loss. Korean Zombie had to take a canvas nap too back in the day against my boy George Roop, and he bounced back. <laughs> I, I remember that. <laughs> uh, next up, is this in uh, the middleweight division or the light heavyweight division? Next up in the middleweight division, we got Khalid Murtazalaev. He's minus 150. The comeback on CB, the Doberman Dalloway is plus 130. Man, initially it was supposed to be Omari Ahmedov or CB Dalloway, but now it's Khalid. Who you got? It's unfortunate Omari pulled, man. It's really unfortunate. CB, God, the guy, uh, I would say he is closer to the end. You know, he is 35 years old. He's been in the UFC for over 10 years. Um you know, he's got some good wins. He was the first guy to knock out Cesar Mutanch. He beat Francis Carmont when that, when that actually meant something. Um, Joe Dirksen. <laughs> Joe, Joe Dirksen was on, like, a serious win streak. You saw that submission, right? <laughs> Joe Dirksen had won, like, 20 fights in a row or something like that. I can't remember what it was. But, uh, you know, CB, he had his time. Um, you know, the guy's – mentally, the guy's not there, in my opinion. Dating back to the Jared Hammond days when he's completely dominating the first round and then he pulls a quit job in the second round. Dating back to the Tom Lawler days when he shoots head and first into a guillotine. Mark Munoz. Uh, the Mark Munoz KO. Uh, I mean, the Nate Marquardt fight. The guy's had some serious blunders in, the, in that cage before. Um, but he is experienced. Kind of like what Dana said about T-Wood. You know, you look at this guy, you think they made him in a uh, in a factory. You know, he's an athletic white boy. <laughs> you know, uh, he's 6'2", 185. And I D1. mean, go to go to Wikipedia and look at them wrestling credentials. Like, the guy uh, is very credentialed when it comes to wrestling. But, uh, I mean, he's a meathead wrestler. You know, he uh, just makes a lot of mistakes out there. And, you know, his fight with Ed Herman, I mean, it was an ugly fight. But one thing you can say is CB Strong... He's a horse. He can wrestle. It's just that chin. He's always been uh, you know, prone to those uh, overhand rights. I mean, the Marquardt fight, pretty much all his fights that he loses or, you know, uh, he always gets caught with an overhand right, but he can always bail himself out with his wrestling about 50% of the time. And uh, Khalid, you know, on the other hand, you know, I'm really not impressed with him. You know, I think he's got a good kick to the body. I think... Uh, I just think he's average, you know. He's one of those guys that also kind of like Rustam, but without the explosion, he just likes to chill, 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 and take guys down. Um, it's going to be real interesting to see how they match up to see if Khalid can take him down. I highly doubt it, considering CB's wrestling credentials. And uh, one thing, you know, like I said about the Ed Herman fight, you know, it was ugly, but CB landed a lot of ground and pound in that third round. It was, you know, ten. He did get a ten-eight round on one card. The guy can wrestle, so Khalid better be ready to wrestle. I think CB has a size advantage, but I mean, in my opinion, you really can't trust either guy. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if CB pulled it off, but you know, I can't pick CB in a fight these days, so I'm gonna take Khalid. Uh, but I'm really not impressed with the man. Uh, I think uh, he's on the lower end of the totem pole when it comes to these Russians, and uh, he's undersized. But CB, how can you trust that chin? 35 years old with some of the quip jobs he's pulled in the past and some of the hellacious beatings he's took in the past as well. So, you know, that Machida fight, that Bisping fight, and, you know, the fights I was referring to in the past. So I'll take the lead. You and the Hector and the Ed Herman yeah. fights. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, well, he can wrestle. Yeah, he can really. He hits hard, too. But listen, man, as far as his matchup, I think Khalid Murtaz Alive is a bit undersized for the weight class. I'm not sure if he can make 70, but he's definitely a smaller 85er. And CB is a fucking big 85er. But then there's also the thing where Khalid's a 24-year-old kid and CB's a, you know only got a couple fights left. 
I kind of feel like CB is a live dog if this was in Vegas, but this being in Russia, it can be a close fight. They're going to give it to Khalid. Obviously, a good body kick for Khalid, good offensive takedowns. But, man, he doesn't really throw hands unless he has to. And it's going to be interesting to see if, uh, you know, he has a boxing type approach against a guy like CB Dalloway, you know, if he's not able to get his takedowns going against a, a D1 wrestler. But we've also seen CB get stopped with body kicks in the past, so that won't surprise me either. I see it potentially being a close fight. I do think CB is a live dog, like I said, but it's Russia. So, you know, any kind of close decision will go to the Russian here. So th for that reason, I'm going to go with Khalid Murtazalaev. And, you know, this is one of the fights we were looking at just because every single line here is fucking jacked through the roof. You know, it's more, uh, these lines are more juiced than Brock Lesnar. So, you know, I had to look at the, the, you know, slight favorite here, a Russian at minus 150. But then we looked into him and we understand why he's at that price. But I'm going to still pick him here. Next up in the welterweight division, we got Alexei Kunchenko. He's minus 525. The comeback on Tiago, the Pitbull Alves is plus 415. Now, you think my boy uh, Peach Bull is a... Uh, Gonna have his once a year clinic in this one? Yeah, you know, this guy, Alexi, you know, it's unfortunate the M1 side doesn't work, but I mean, he is 18 and 0. He's won every fight he's been in. You know, that has to be respected on some level, no matter who the opponent He's are. royalty over there. No matter who the opponents are, you know, you go undefeated in a promotion, you know, that has to be respected. Now, Tiago, you know, the deal with Tiago, every once in a while he shows up. But the last time he showed up, it was against Cote, who we know what happens in retirement fights. These guys just coming for that last little 100K, uh, and, you know, they're looking for an exit. But, you know, Tiago, you know, I actually felt like he showed hard in that Curtis Melinda fight. He took that fight on short notice, a fight where he didn't have to take, but he kind of had to take it considering what he did uh, that with stunt Mike he Perry, pulled. That, that stunt, what he did uh, with Mike Perry. And, uh, but, uh, Tiago, I mean, what can I say? You know, he's, he, uh, when it was time to buy down against Melender, he actually moved forward and he, after he got dropped, he came forward and, you know, he showed heart, you know, uh, this Alexi guy is kind of unknown, but, you know, I'm, I'm assuming he's just this high of a favorite just because he's won every fight he's been in and he's from Moscow and, you know, we know that we know the deal here, but I wouldn't be shocked if Tiago, uh, you know, put off the upset here. This Alexi guy, you know, I don't like to judge things off looks, but he, he kind of looks like he's a little older. He kind of looks, like, he looks older. like he's in the latter of his career. So, you know, uh, you know, the UFC is a different ball game. Um, but I'll take Alexi here by close, by close decision. But uh, I, I can't say Tiago's 100% done. You know, I still think he could beat a couple guys in the division. But uh, I feel like this one's going to be a little sketch. I mean, look, full disclosure, I wasn't able to watch Alexi's last couple fights just because, you know, they weren't available. But I did watch some of his older fights. And in some of those older fights, he was still looking like an old man plodding forward. I mean, good takedowns, I guess. But unless he's made some massive improvements, I can actually see Tiago Alves winning this fight. But then again, it being in Russia, Tiago's got to go out there and flying knee this dude and knock him out cold because this goes to decision. I don't care if Tiago drops him every round. They're going to give it to Alexi. The guy is royalty over there, so... It's probably going to be another uh, controversial decision for the Russian here, but Tiago's definitely a live dog, and if this was in Vegas, we'd make talks, but it's not in Vegas. It's in Moscow. I'm going to go with Alexi via split decision. Next up in the heavyweight division, we got Andre Arlovsky. He's plus 105, and Shamil Abdurakhimov is minus 125. So, man, uh, you got the Russian point fighter, or you got the Belarus 
point fighter. Oh, yeah, I forgot he, he isn't from Russia. Um, I mean, it's kind of <laughs> Russia, but not really. It's not Russia. <laughs> it used to be Russia. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Shamil, it's, I liked uh, his last fight against Chase Sherman. It was great because, you know, Sherman was saying Shamil's the most boring fight, boring heavyweight on the roster. And then afterwards, Shamil said, hey, you just got knocked out by the most boring fighter on the roster. <laughs> so that was uh, pretty funny. Andre, I mean, he's been looking real good these days. But, you know, um, that last fight with Tui Vasa, I thought he performed well. You know, he does test these young kids, but I can't really uh, put Shamil in that category. You know, Shamil, he's either, you know, improving or he's just, you know, I mean, the guy was winning the entire fight against Black Beast, and then, you know, he got knocked out. But we know Black Beast has a, a tendency to do that. So, you know, um, it's going to be interesting. You know, uh, Arlovsky kind of has a pattern. You know, when you think Arlovsky's done, you know, then he puts a couple wins together, and then he gets knocked out, you know, a couple more times, and then he puts a couple more wins together. So, you know, I could see that that trend happening. Um, you know, he's very he's very agile for a heavyweight. He's got a nice, you know, point-fighting style with his boxing. You know, it seems like he has made improvements to ATT, but you never know what you're going to get with a guy like Arlovsky. You know, he could get floored with the first punch. You never know. Um Shamil, you know, he's kind of like, you know, the other Russians we described. He likes to chill out a lot. Then he uh, likes to eke out rounds for the most part. You know, he's generally the type of heavyweight that likes to go, you know, over the one and a half or, you know, go to decision. But uh, it's a tough fight, man. I'm going to go with uh, Abdurakhimov in this fight just because, you know, I feel like he's a little younger. I feel like Andre might continue that pattern, you know, you know, fight tough and then start getting knocked, then start getting knocked out. But uh, it's a tough fight, man. It's lying close for a reason. But I'm going to take uh, Shamil. You know, I think uh, Andre's going to be getting off to a good start. But I feel like he's going to, you know, eat an overhand right on the counter and probably go down. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Shamil here, too. I'm not buying this whole Andre's back shit. I mean, he was on a five-fight skid recently. And I know Tibora tried to, you know, ask him for an autograph in the middle of the cage in their fight. I know Stefan Sarouf won't pull a trigger to save his life. I know Junior Albini wears diapers out there, but he's not fighting those jobbers anymore. And yeah, he performed admirably against Tai Tuivasa. He still got his ass whooped. And I feel like against Shamil, you know, Shamil doesn't get the respect he deserves because, you know, he has been stopped once or twice. But the bottom line here is, uh, you know, Shamil, if, if that fight with Black Beast was a three-round fight, he would have won 30-27. But when it went to the fourth, he got stopped. This is a three-round fight. And I see Shamil outpointing Andre Arlovsky. I think he will pull the trigger more than Andre will. Unless uh, he's got some fanboy shit for Andre, which a lot of these guys do. It's, it's kind of crazy. But I just don't think a Russian in Russia will... You know, I, I, I wonder if he's even heard of him. Of course, of, of course he has. <laughs> he looked up to Fedor, not Andre. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm going to go with Shamil here. Probably a, a KO, but decision won't surprise me. Definitely not a submission. Co-main event of the evening, we got Nikita Krilov. He's minus 130. The comeback on Jan Blakovich is plus 110. So uh, you going with the resurgence, the resurging Jan, or are you going with uh, the returning Nikita Krilov? Yeah, you know, it's a good fight. Um, Jan Blakovich, I mean, a year ago, the guy was on the verge of getting cut from the UFC, and then all of a sudden, he's number four in the world. So it's kind of crazy, this guy, because, you know, before the Devin Clark fight, you know, we all thought he was done. This is, this you can is, barely you know, squeak by guy, Igor Prokryets. The, the guy's putting his hands on his knees every fight. He's huffing and puffing. He's struggling with Igor the Duke. Like, the guy was a complete joke, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you know, he you know gets back... He, this is what Jan says. He says, uh, before the Jimmy fight, at least, I, I saw an interview. He said, uh, I need everyone to forget about old Jan. This is Jan 2.0. So uh, 
I don't know what they got going over there at that camp. You know exactly what they got going <laughs> over at that camp. But uh, like I said in the past, he might have a new Polish doctor. I mean, the guy's hold, his cardio is holding up these days. That Jimmy fight, it was a real test because, you know, Jan hurt him in that first round. Jimmy came back and won the second. And, you know, I know we can say whatever we want that Jimmy, uh, you know, is on his way out, which he, which he is. But Jimmy's got knockout wins over OSP, knockout wins over. He beat Jan prior Corey. to that, and he knocked out Corey. So the guy was definitely top five. And, I mean... Uh, Jan put him in his place, man, in his hometown. Now, Nikita, Nikita's one of these guys where I don't understand why they cut him, but, uh, I mean, Nikita likes to get down to business right away. He throws a serious volume of kicks. You know, I really don't, I can't say cardio's Nikita's issues unless he, you know, wrestles a lot, but I would say, you know, he tends to get a little over-eager at times, and, you know, he could definitely get uh, countered one of these days, and I do think he is a little bit chinny. But uh, the guy Nikita likes to put pressure on guys until they're knocked out or until they're submitted. And, you know, one thing I can say about Jan is, like, he's got a great overall game. Like, he's got great jujitsu. He's a black belt. He's got great striking. And he's got good wrestling. He took down Devin Clark, you know. He uh, he he did stuff to take downs against Corey Anderson. But, you know, it's like two completely different people. So, you know, it's kind of hard to bring in, you know, the old Jan. Like he said, he said, I need y'all to forget about old Jan. This is Jan 2.0. So it's like, what should I base it on, Jan 2.0 or, or old Jan? So it's kind of tough for me to call. It's going to be, you know, the, the thing with Jan's three fights is he's fought guys that were pressuring him. You know, he's uh, guys that literally stood right in front of him. So we know Jan's got one of the better jabs in that division. And, I mean, one thing I said, he dominated all three of those fights, man. So... It's a, it's a tough fight, you know. I was actually surprised to see Jan the underdog considering, you know, what he's done these last three fights. But I will say Nikita is a tougher opponent on paper, at least, uh, compared to those guys. Because it's kind of hard to counter a guy that's moving in and out, throwing a, a bunch of kicks. Um, I would give Nikita a, strike, a slight advantage, I guess, in the submission, submission ability. But, I mean... It's a tough fight to call. It's a it's a it's damn near a pick him for a reason. But I'm gonna take you on for the upset, man. Um, you know I think uh, Nikita is gonna get countered when he tries to take Jan's head off. And I mean, uh, you get hit by a guy like Blakovich, uh, he'll make you back off. So, and I feel like Jan's a better fighter. At least Jan 2.0 is the better fighter. You know, across three rounds, I feel like Nikita. You know, I've been with. Well, he wants he's been to a third round, and so uh, that's it. Exactly. So he's a he's, you know he's a finisher, but I feel like Jan's a better fighter. Jan two point is a better fighter across the three round period. But uh, who knows who's gonna make Jan resort back to his old tendencies? You know, it's a great question, uh, and I'm not sure if Nikita got cut or if they offered him something laughable, and he's like, yeah, I can make more on the on the Russian regional scene, and now he's coming back for a co-main event. So I hope he's getting what he deserves. Nikita's always been a very exciting guy. He's never been to a decision in over 25 pro fights. His jiu-jitsu is really underrated, man. I mean, the guy's going for sweeps off his back, and he's tapping out black belts. He's doing the whole bit. He can knock people out. One thing I like is that, uh, you know, he'll throw that that lead high kick, then go to a one-two, then a right side kick. So he's got that windmill down. Jan Blakovich has been making some big improvements his last few fights. You know, I don't buy this whole bullshit about how, oh, he was owning Gustafsson on the feet, and Gustafsson had a resort to the wrestling that's total bullshit i mean if he was owning someone on the feet he would have dropped them or rocked them i mean well he landed a couple a couple shots in a fist fight you know it is what it is but the only person that did the owning in that fight was gustafson you know he uh my boy jan had to take plan b the next day but since that point i mean he lost to pat cummins right but since that point he's on a three fight win streak beat a couple guys uh i know uh nikita would have probably beat those guys too but now they now they fight each other 
I'm just curious if Nikita can bring out the old tendencies from Jan. You know, his pressure is the kind of pressure that can make a guy like Jan Gassat. I don't think that Nikita is as chinny as Jimmy Manoa. I don't think he's as green as Jared Cannonier. And I don't think he sucks like Devin Clark. So I actually think this is the toughest guy in Jan Blakovic's, you know, last few fights. And I actually see uh, Nikita coming out here and beating Jan Blakovic. I'm not sure if it's going to be his first decision win or if he's going to continue the finish streak. But bottom line, I see uh, Krilov getting this big win, and he will officially be a top five guy after this. Main event of the evening, we got Mark Hunt. He's minus 170. The comeback on Alexei Olenek is plus 150. Now, Shaq, this is in Russia, but I have a feeling this one is not going to go the five-round distance. Hey, I could be wrong. Bigfoot Silva and Mark Hunt went the five-round distance the first time. But just the way that these two match up, man, the Ezekiel choke or the walk-off KO, which way are you going? Yeah, you know, uh, Alexi, I kind of would refer to him as a, a as a gimmick fighter, but you know, it's a it's a good gimmick. I mean, he's submitted what forty people <laughs> with that gimmick, people. so so uh, it definitely it's a, an elite gimmick. Um, he's a choke specialist, exactly. So you know, he's also got hands. You know, it, it's ugly, and uh, you know, he he kind of throws guys off. But you know, when I look at his wins, I mean, you know, he did beat a guy like Travis Brown, who you know. I mean, I got Dana said he should retire afterwards. <laughs> that guy fucking sucks. <laughs> um, you know, that guy's too busy uh, swiping my girl Rhonda's credit card. You know? <laughs> um, and then uh, then he beat Junior Diaper Boy Albini, you know, um, which, you know, a lot of people were picking Albini in that in that fight. Um, and, you know, the thing with Alexi is, you know, the thing with Alexi is um, you kind of question, like, how long is this thing going to work? You know, how long is he going to be able to wrap up these Ezekiel chokes? Because, you know, I actually faded him back in the day when he fought my boy uh, Daniel Omalunchuk. And one of the reasons I faded him was because, I don't know if you still have that show, but uh, I said that Daniel doesn't have a neck for him to choke, you know? And uh, I feel like Mark Hunt kind of doesn't have a neck for him to choke either, you know? Um and, you know, uh, Daniel Omelunchuk ended up out-wrestling him, but because that's because the fight was extended. And, you know, we know that jujitsu ju guys typically, you know, once you do stuff their submission, when you do push them, when you do, you know, make them work, they'll flop to their backs. And, you know, they really don't have uh, much options. And a guy like Alexi, when he's tired, those punches that he throws, like with a guy like uh, Mark Hunt, who's put down guys like, you know, Struve and Black Beast, he made Black Beast quit. Um, Between you and me, he knocked out and doomed twice. <laughs> you know so uh you know mark hunt i mean the guy uh you know i feel like you know alexi's definitely gonna try to hit him with something you know i feel like he really doesn't have good wrestling you know extended you know like he doesn't really have traditional double legs or anything like that or anything like that it's really just that that ezekiel drop down or you know uh you know the guys uh it's real funky you know but you have to respect it i mean it works he's submitted 40 guys with it and uh Mark Hunt, you know, I feel like truly if he does stay out of this, I feel like he'll put Alexi down. You know, I feel like Alexi's gimmick is great, but I feel like, you know, guys have had their opportunity. We saw what happened in the Curtis Blades fight. The second things got real, but Curtis is a guy that could actually go on his guard. And, you know, you know, uh, you know how it happens when a wrestler fights a jiu-jitsu guy. You know, the wrestler uh, tends to dominate. But I feel like Alexi, I'm not saying he's mentally weak, but I feel like uh, if he doesn't get his, you know, Ezekiel choke or his ball constrictor, I feel like he... He will quit. He will go down. So I'm going to take Mark Hunt. I feel like Mark Hunt's going to avoid it. I feel like Mark Hunt can actually, he's actually got a good get-up game, man. You know, I know he got take, taken down by Curtis Blades, you know, the, the best wrestler in the heavyweight division. 
But, uh, you know, his fight with Brock, you know, he was actually stuffing those takedowns. And, you know, someone would count me, uh, Brock's a jobber, but, you know, Brock's a Division One national Brock's champion. Brock's a former <laughs> UFC heavyweight champion. He's a Division One national champion, uh, UFC heavyweight champion, and, uh, you know. WWE champion. <laughs> a fake fighting champion. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's a... It's a real interesting, but I got my boy Mark Hunt by KO, by Vicious KO, walk-off KO. I think uh, Alexi's going to try, but like I said, I don't think he has a neck for, for him to choke. But, you know, uh, that might be bullshit, but Mark Hunt has tapped several times before, not in a while. But it's Sean McCarthy. <laughs> not in a while, you know, he's kind of patched up that game a little bit, but, you know, uh, he, he can get he can get up from bottom, man. But like I said, I don't think Alexi's the type of guy that can ride out top position or anything like that. He goes for those subs right away, and the longer the fight goes, Mark Hunt's the better guy. We saw Mark Hunt, you know, knock out Derek Lewis in the fourth round. So I'm going to take my boy. Yeah, great matchup. I'm very excited about this fight. As far as Alexi's game is concerned, obviously he's a specialist with the chokes. I mean, he submitted 40 to 50 people with the chokes. Uh, he's absolutely nasty, but let's not sleep on his knockout power either. Even though those hooks are ugly, they lay on Mark Hunt's chin and Mark Hunt will go down. Like he, Alexi does have the capability of dropping Mark Hunt, but that being said, Mark Hunt is so much more technical. He's a lot faster. He's even more athletic than Alexi. And I feel like the left hook is going to be a big home in this fight for Mark Hunt. You know, Alexi has been getting wobbled in a lot of his, a lot of his fights, but he finds a way to work around it and uh, either drop the guys or choke them out, you know, like he did at Travis Brown. He got dropped in that fight early, but then he came back and dropped Travis Brown. In this fight, I'm not sure if you can get away with getting wobbled by a guy like Mark Hunt. I know where Doom did. I know where Doom got dropped twice and then came back and knocked out Hunt. So if uh, Alexi's able to do that, much respect. But I, I just don't see him doing that. I do think that Mark Hunt will land the finishing blow. And as far as what kind of takedowns Alexi goes for, he really goes for almost like a scarf hold. He goes for like a like a hip toss, and then he hangs on to your head like a schoolyard headlock and tries to rip it off like my boy Adam Yandiev. You know, actually... Uh, Alexi did that to Mirko Krokop. He actually beat Mirko Krokop with a fucking schoolyard headlock, with a scarf hold is what it's called. Uh, so I'm sure he's going to try to go for something like that here against Mark Hunt. I doubt he wants to stand and bang with him too long. But while they are standing and banging, Alexi's going to throw some big bombs. I think he's going to get countered. I think it's going to be a left hook or an uppercut. He does tend to duck his head a lot. I see Mark Hunt with a first or second round knockout here, man. And uh, Mark Hunt has been in there with submission specialists. He was in there. He actually drops most of the submission specialists he fights. He dropped War Doom twice. He ended up losing that one. He dropped Frank Mir and finished him. So this ain't the first time that he's been in there with, uh, you know, one of the best submission specialists in the UFC heavyweight division. Like I said, War Doom and Frank Mir, they're right up at the top of the list. So Mark Hunt has experience against these kind of opponents. And I, I see him uh, winning this fight via knockout. So I'm going to go with uh, Mark Hunt here. Well, now we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Got another weekend of fights in football, so this is my time of year. I love it, and I'm ready to make some money to make up for last weekend. Yeah, I mean, once again, we got four days of events. I mean, Thursday, Saturday for UFC, Sunday and Monday again for football. So uh, let's make it count. And first up, man, the main event of the evening, Mark Hunt's taking on Alexi Olenek. I mean, look, it's two specialists in there. You going with the Hunt KO or the Olenek sub? Uh, I've gone back and forth on this one. Right now, I think I'm just going to go ahead and lean towards Olenek just because he's cheaper. And um, I really don't like many slash any underdogs on this card. Spoiler alert. Um, so that's kind of just forcing me to pick Olenek. Uh, he's 7,600 on DraftKings. Mark Hunt's 8,600. If Olenek wins, it doesn't matter what round it's in. He'll probably be on the winning lineup, and it'll probably be an early round. I don't see him going very late into this fight. 
but with Hunt, he's 8,600, so he, you're going to need a first or a second round knockout from him to pay that off, but that's very likely. Um, so it's just it's a solid GPP fight for me, either way that you like, but I would stay away in cash games. I just don't like either one of these guys enough to invest most of my money on them, and it's definitely not a stack in cash type of fight. So GPP only, I'm going to lead, lean Olenek just because he's an underdog and we got to squeeze some of them into our lineups. I mean, you say to stay away, but I feel like the winner is going to come out here and get a finish, don't you? Stay away in cash. Both have low floor, so you don't want to put them in your cash line. A bunch of other safer fighters on this card, uh, but it's good tournament play because the winner probably scores about 100 or more points. Yes, sir. So this co-main event between Jan Blakovic and Nikita Krylov, they got it to pick them for a reason. I mean, you going with the resurging Jan Blakovic or are you going with the returning Nikita Krylov? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Krylov here, uh, mainly because it's in Russia. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling this is going to be like my new Brazil. I like Russians in Russia, but we'll see. And uh, what I like about Krylov is he's never been to a decision. So high scoring no matter which way it's going to go. But if he wins, I, there's no way he's not paying off that price tag. Uh, if Jan wins, maybe it could be by a decision. Uh, and possibly wouldn't pay it off, but I don't see that happening either. I think this is a good fight to target whichever way you like. Uh, they're both right there in the middle. Krylov, 8,200. Jan is only 8,000. So I see the winner being on the winning lineup. I am going to pick Krylov to be that winner, though. So I like him a lot more. I'm not sure exactly how much Jan I'm going to use, but uh, I'll try to put that in my write-up. So Shamil and Andre are throwing down in the heavyweight division. A lot of people seem to be under the impression that Andre is back, and... Uh, also, they're not very impressed with Shamil, so I'm curious about Kyle Marley's perspective on this matchup. Yeah, I'm not very impressed with Shamil, but I don't think Andre's back. Um, we'll never see the the old Andre, the world championship Andre, but he's back as in he's not completely done when he had his four or five fight losing streak. Um, I just think this is a fight that I don't really care a whole lot about. If, if there's not a knockout, I think it's going to be a pretty boring fight, and even at their um, mid-range salaries the winner might not even be on the winning lineup so I might full fade this fight altogether um, I think Arlovsky will be pretty popular so that makes me want to lean towards Shamil uh, no confidence in that at all but right now I'm going to pick Shamil to win and I don't hate fa full fading this fight completely CB Dalloway is making his return to the middleweight division. He's taking on the newcomer, Khalid Murtazalayev. This is actually the third opponent they had for CB Dalloway. And Khalid, he's one of the smaller Russians in the middleweight division. Obviously, you know uh, what he brings to the table, so I got to know, man. Are you going with the D1 wrestler or are you going with the Russian? Uh, this is going to be one of those where it's Russian in Russia. So I, I'm just going to go ahead and take that newcomer in Russia guy. Uh, 12 knockouts. That's that's what you want when you're picking against CB because I don't think CB has a whole lot left in the in the tank, uh, especially with his chin. Even though he won his last fight, he was brutally knocked out, so that isn't going to help his brain at all, and his brain doesn't care if he won or lost that fight. Um, so I think it's just a bad matchup for CB. In Russia, I don't know how much CB's really invested into the game anymore, so I think I'd rather just take a shot on Khalid here, and he's only 8,400, so he's pretty cheap, uh, easy to fit into lineups. I like him. But if you think CB is going to go out there and wrestle for three rounds, he's worth taking a shot on. So Peter Yan, he's taking on Jin Susan. And, you know, I checked out the Korean, and all I got to say is 
It was some uh, regional level shit. He will not be winning the NFC belt anytime soon. So what I got to know is, are you willing to pay that hefty price tag on Peter Yan and hope for a first round knockout? Uh, if I can afford him, then I like him. But it is going to be tough to get him at 9.7K. Uh, in his last fight, he did score 125.5 points. So if he can do that again, then he'll end up on the winning lineup even at that high price tag. It's just such a high price tag when there's a bunch of other heavy favorites that I like on this card. Um, so I probably won't have a whole lot of them, but he's definitely my preferred play, and I think he's going to go out there and dominate. We've got a possible future champion on our hands here. Um, and I like him more in cash games at his minus 900 uh, betting line. Because it's pretty much a sure win. Just lock that in. Try to find four others. And Kyle Marley said the words future world champion. So we'll definitely keep your eyes out for this kid, Peter Yan. But look, another big favorite, Rustam Habilov's taking on Kajon Johnson. Look, Kajon's got a knack for that upset, but Rustam's got a knack for winning. Rustam also has a knack for going to the third round or past it in his last seven fights in a row. So he's not going to be coming out here knocking dudes out. I mean, don't get me wrong. It could happen, obviously. But what I'm trying to get at, Kyle, is you think Rustam's going to pile enough takedowns to cover that uh, that price tag? I think he could, but 9500 I would rather just pay elsewhere personally. Uh, but he's going to be lower owned because people are going to see these DraftKings scores. Uh, in his last three wins... He had 62 points, 71 points, and 52 points. All three were wins, too. So that's just not what we're looking for, especially paying 9500 So the only thing I can say is he's going to be contrarian, and he can rack up all those takedowns. Um, so if you want to throw him in to be different, I like that. But I do think this is an easy win. So I, I almost more like him for cash. Go ahead and lock that win in if you want. If you can't pay that extra 200 to get Peter Jan, Kabbalah is fine here. I'm confident in him getting the win. I'm just not confident in him scoring high. Um, so better catch play, but solid GPP punt. Cajun's nothing special. He's going to need a knockout to do anything. The return of Magomed Ankalaev. He's taking on Marcin Prashnyo. I know you remember the stunt my boy Ankalaev pulled in his last fight. I mean, it's infamous at this point. You think he's going to get it done this time, man? Or are you going with uh, the stiff Polish weasel Marcin Prashnyo to potentially knock out Ankalaev? I got to go with Ankalaev, but he burned everyone last time with that losing in the last second. So everyone's going to remember that. Maybe they won't go to him here, uh, and that's what makes me like him. There's so many high favorites here that if he's going to go under-owned, I like him even more because um, he was dominant in that first fight. I think he's going to be dominant again as long as he doesn't get knocked out. So it's just a, a perfect matchup for him to get a win in Russia to make up for that last loss. Uh, and he's only 9,100. He's got four other guys that are more expensive than him on the card. So that is what I love about him. Prochnio, he's super cheap. And if he's going to win, it's going to be a knockout. So I don't hate him in GPPs as well. Uh, but he is going to need to get that knockout because there's no way he's going to win a decision here. And last but not least, Ramazan Amiv, he's taking on the newcomer, Stefan Sekulic. Ramazan's been really impressive uh, in his UFC tenure so far. I mean, you see him go out there, defeat a 205-er and Sam Alvey. He handed Alberto Mina his first loss. Now he's taking on Stefan Sekulic, and Sekulic is a very tough guy. My question here is, does Ramazan score enough points in his decision wins to warrant him at this high price tag? Definitely not yet. He's going to need a finish to get it here as well. Uh, 9300 we're going to need a first-round knockout, I'm guessing, for him to pay that off. And his first two wins, he scored 65 over Mina and 54 over Alvi. Um, so just like Kabalov, if you're paying that price for him and he's giving you these shitty scores, you're not going to win a tournament, and you might not even 
min cash in those tournaments. Uh, so I don't love them just because there's so many other good plays. But just like Kabilov, he's going to be lower owned. Uh, and he could go out there and get that first-round knockout. I am impressed with him as a talent. I just don't like him as much in DraftKings. Uh, but he's the pick here. You just really need that first-round knockout for him to pay it off. Uh, but he'll be low-owned. So it's, he's worth a shot. Well, Kyle, that's why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battle. They can follow you at Big Marley 3. And, man, four days of events this weekend, Thursday night football, Saturday afternoon UFC, Sunday football, and Monday night football. And, uh, man, for anyone that gets your season pass package, they get all your DraftKings write-ups for free. Yes, sir. Through the end of 2018, I'm finishing my DraftKings write-up right now. Um, I got to play for tonight's football game, so go ahead, purchase that season long, hit us up, and I'll send you this DraftKings write-up as well. Uh, but, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I post everything there, and good luck to everybody. Yes, sir, Kyle. We will speak soon, and uh, let's get it this weekend, my man. Let's get it. And that's why Kyle Marley is the DraftKings guy for half the battle. Now the NFL handicapper for half the battle. Uh, obviously, three days of games this week, Thursday, Sunday, Monday. Oh, yeah. yeah there is a game today, son. And he's got he's got to play on it, too. So, uh, yeah, yeah. You go to bestfightpicks.com to find out. If you want 15% off, use the promo code KING with all caps. But now uh, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, Shaq, what is the fight to watch for USC Moscow? My fight to watch is going to be Marab Divisvelli versus Tarion Ware. Both guys' backs are against the wall. They both need this win. In my opinion, it's a loser-goes-home fight. You know, how long are they going to let, you know, ugly Marab uh, keep doing his ugly thing? I know he does have some good ties, you know, with Sarah and Longo. But, I mean, you know, 0 for 3 and then Tarion, they're giving him another chance. You know, Tarion said Shelby felt heartbroken for him that he didn't get that uh, decision down there in uh, Netherlands. Shelby told him that he won that fight. Yeah. But the thing is, you can't be saying that every fight, you know. So this is it for these guys. And uh, this is the way they match up. Maral is a ball of energy, man. Like, that guy is something else. With it. <laughs> Like, that guy just doesn't stop. And Tarion, I love watching Tarion fight just because, you know, we don't uh, – even though he really doesn't have that many boxing credentials, I feel like uh, not too many guys can box like him, you know. Uh, he's the one that gave O'Malley his toughest fight, you know. He didn't get dropped by O'Malley, you know. Uh, he definitely got his ass beat. But, you know, he gave O'Malley a fight, so – that's my fight to watch. Yeah, and my fight to watch is going to be Nikita Krylov versus Jan Blakovich. I mean, Jan Blakovich is on a career resurgence right now. Three-fight win streak, longest win streak of his UFC career. Nikita Krylov, when he parted ways with the UFC, everyone was like, what the fuck, man? How could you let one of your most exciting guys go? A guy who every single fight he's been in has knock on the distance. so Because he uh, lost to Misha Serkinov. You know, they want that <laughs> stiffy out of there. <laughs> man, that was a Serkinov coming off three straight wins. So, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? He cranked uh, Alex Nicholson's jaw, Ion Kutaleva's jaw, and uh, unfortunately, Krilov's <laughs> jaw as well. <laughs> but Krilov, he put in some work on the regional scene. He knocked out Emmanuel Newton. He knocked out Fabio Maldonado. Now it's time to uh, come back here in the UFC and see if you still got what it takes, man. And he's a young kid, only 26 years old. So I'm very excited for that fight. I think it's going to be fight of the night or knockout of the night. I'm going to go with Nikita Krylov versus Jan Blakovich for my fight to watch. Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Moscow? My fighter to watch is going to be uh, Merbek Tysimov. You know, this guy's been calling for his top 15 spot. I saw a little video he put out earlier today when they uh, gave him some lightweight names. And uh, he had some... Some really uh, questionable things to say, especially by my boy DP. You know, I, I, I didn't like what he said, but, uh, you know, he, uh, he said Anthony Pettis wasn't a man. <laughs> and he said DP didn't deserve to be in the top 10. So, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting, man. Uh, this guy, he's got all the skills. He needs to get his visa issues worked out. And uh, hopefully we see another spectacular knockout. 
Yeah, you know, he was going to be my fighter to watch, but instead, I'm going to go with Adam Yandiev. Look, the guy is royalty over in, in Russia. He's got a million followers on Instagram. You've heard some of his past stories. You've seen some of his past fights where he rips these dudes' heads off. I want to see if uh, he's going to go out there and make it close with a guy like Jordan Johnson who has a habit of fighting close with every single person he's in there with because I truly believe if that's the case, Adam can get this decision or is he just going to gas out after the first round and get laid on? So I'm actually really curious to see what he does. I'm curious to see the judging, the refing, everything in that fight. So Adam Yandiev is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, it's going down this Saturday afternoon. UFC Moscow, Hunt, and Olenek. It's actually a really good card. I know the lines are a bit wide, but so what, man? Uh, UFC is going down this Saturday, and then after that, it's uh, it's Brazil time. And uh, I'm excited about Brazil, my man. Yeah, I love uh, events down there in weasel country. And uh, there's going to be a lot of weaseling going on. Absolutely, absolutely. So make sure you hit us up at bestfightpicks.com. Follow me on Twitter at bestfightpicks. Follow Shaq at MMAgenius05. Follow Kyle Marley at BigMarley3. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.